Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well. Today's guest is a real treat. You are going to leave this podcast feeling so inspired, so encouraged, and and just blown away by Jason Brown's story. That's right. He was an NFL center. At one point, he was the highest paid NFL center, played for the Ravens and the Rams. And then in 2012, he decided to step out in faith, walk away from the NFL, and God gave him a a vision, basically, and just revealed to him that he had something different and greater in store for Jason and that he wanted him to, to start a farm back in North Carolina. And so now, all these years later, the farm is doing well. Uh, they are impacting the community. They're they're giving away food, and it's it's really uh, just a remarkable story. And 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 all the work that they're doing is is just amazing. So, uh, before we jump in, let me ask you this: Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. And so Jason, you know, he's got he's got just a this wild story that could one day really be a movie, but it's a story of faith, it's a story of obedience, a story of faithfulness, and a, a story of of really big faith and stepping out in faith and and God taking everything away from him, but then blessing him in new, special, amazing ways. And so uh he's actually Jason has written a new book. It's called Centered Trading Your Plans. For a life that matters, let that set in. So I can't wait to read the book. I, I, I tell him this in the in the interview, but I was reading some of the reviews, and they spoke very highly. Like the the people that were were leaving these reviews, uh, just you know, people that read the book, you know, comparing him to some of the great uh, writers and pastors, and um, and just yeah, I think I think this is uh, his approach to walking with the Lord and living a life of faith. Uh, is a great example. And so let's jump in. Let's hear all about it. Uh, A couple other background information. Uh, The farm is called First Fruits Farm, and it's in eastern North Carolina. And Jason played at UNC, so I give him a hard time about that since I'm a Duke fan. But uh, back-to-back interviews with uh, somebody from UNC. I don't know about that. Um, But no, he's he's great. And so he played, uh, yeah, college football there. Uh, he's got eight children, so he's married. Him and his wife got married early, and they have eight children. And so uh, there's enough to to know as we jump in. Here we go, Jason Brown on unpacking it. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is unpacking it with Bryce Johnson.
Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest. His name is Jason Brown. He is the author of the book, Centered, Trading Your Plans for a Life That Matters from the NFL to Farming. We got to hear all about it. Jason, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Doing very good. Thanks for having me, Bryce. Absolutely. So I gave him a hard time since I'm a Duke fan. He's uh he's a Carolina guy and played football at Carolina. So you you wear that proudly. That's all that's all right. So we'll we'll get through the uh the differences to start. But uh but man, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm thrilled to be able to share your your story and your message with our listeners today. And and I, I want to start from a football perspective. Uh growing up, when did you realize that that football was an option? When did you start playing? And then at what point did you start thinking, oh, the NFL is a possibility? Yeah, so it, it wasn't until I, I was in high school uh, that, that I found out that, you know, I was pretty good at playing football. Now, here's the thing. Most people don't know is that I, I quit the football team my freshman year so that I could focus on my academics. Um, I was in the marching band. I, I love playing the trombone. And, nice. And so my, my high school coach, after the football season, like he looked, tracked me down in the hallways. He said, look, son, I can't have the biggest kid in school playing marching band. I need you on my offensive line protecting my quarterback. We just had a losing season. And I said, look, coach, look, man, I'm just focused on my academics. I'm trying to earn an academic scholarship uh, so I can go to college. And look, I, football really isn't in the mix. He said, look, don't you know you can earn a football scholarship as well? And I'm like, really? You can? Like, yeah. He said, look, if you come back out and do everything I tell you to do, I promise you there's going to be a football scholarship waiting for you by the time you graduate. And sure enough, it, it wasn't even my senior year. It was the uh, – the because, um, you know, now, man, they're offering kids, you know, when they're sophomores, um, then, you know, early. But even then, when I was a junior, that was uh, the spring of my, my junior year in high school – uh, Carolina, they, they had enough faith in me, brother, and they, they offered me a full ride. And so after that, it was, it was pretty much a done deal. That's awesome. So, so you end up going to Carolina and, and so yet you're playing well there. Then when did your mind kind of go toward, okay, the NFL is the, the next step for me. So even when I went to college, it was all academics, you know, for me. I, I really never envisioned myself, you know, playing at that at that next level. But it's like God placed uh, just just the right people, just the, the strategic timing of, of of awesome coaches, you know, mm-hmm. that were just awesome motivators and, and encouragers, and, and also to sow that seed of faith where where my my college coach said the same thing. He said, "Look, Jason, I, I've coached several players." that are, you know, they're doing very well in the NFL. And I just want to let you know that you got what it takes. And he told me that my my sophomore year uh, in college. And I'm like, really, coach? And, yeah, just me, just being like, you know, just, just kid, not knowing, you know, really anything, you know, much about, you know, uh, professional football. And he said, uh, yeah, Jason, do everything I tell you to do, okay? And, and by the time you graduate, like, you're going to be drafted into, into the NFL. And I'm like, Okay, like I, I'll do it, and, and so you know, for for me, I, I had a tremendous you know work ethic. Um, I, I had a tremendous you know just you know the the discipline, the responsibility 
Now, as far as the crazy passion, you know, for, for the game of football, as far as being a fanatic and, and just, you know, just the, the love for the game, that wasn't there. But but mm-hmm. as far as like, but as far as giving me a role and and me doing doing that job and performing and doing that job very well, you tell me to do it, I'll do it. All right. Um, and, and so I, I just always had that uh, obedience uh, when it came to uh, to my coaches. Uh, you know, just they, they hey they they told me to run a play a certain way, block this guy, pancake that guy. Guess what? You're going <laughs> All right. No, that that's fascinating. And for a lineman hearing you say that maybe you didn't have the the love for the game or the passion that that maybe sometimes we hear certain players have and and you can see in, in certain guys or whatever. I, I get that. I understand it. But but maybe unpack that a little bit more. You know how you can play at such a high level without necessarily you know just totally sold out loving the game of football like we as fans think that every player does because the reality is that's that's not always the case and, and, and the thing is you know you're seeing it much more uh much more now where where there are certain you know players man they, they're retiring early okay yeah. uh, look look what um who was our quarterback for for the Colts right luck luck and you look like really like dude like you're on the up and up you're doing a great job he's like Nah, like I, I've got other dreams or other aspirations, and it's like, you know, now there were so many guys that I played with. Here's what they said: I'm going to play until I can't play anymore, until they kick me out of the league, no matter what injuries, uh, until until I can't walk anymore. And and I remember one of those old veterans when I was in Baltimore. He was getting uh. Uh, get, getting um, in the training room, getting, uh, you know, therapy and treatment every single morning. And he was well into his 30s. And if if you've, you know, invested your money wisely, if you have enough in savings, like, and everyone was like, dude, like, why do you keep putting yourself <laughs> through this punishment? You know, man, it's like, we see you struggling in pain every single day. And he's like, I'm going to go until I can't do it anymore. And you got to be real careful with that because if you're struggling and if you're in pain when you're in your early 30s, man, but by the time you hit your 50s and your 60s, you're going to need a couple of knee replacements. You're going to need a hip replacement, this and that. And so, um, so many guys, you know, when you start to put a price tag on, on your health, and I'm talking about your overall health, yeah, when you're in the game, and those checks are coming in, you're like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to sacrifice. I, I'm, I'm going to do what I have to do. But afterwards, I have several teammates right now that when they wake up in the morning, before they get out of bed, they look really hard down at the floor because if oh. their feet touch the floor, they know that they're going to be in pain. Ankles, knees, hips, uh, lower back, um, you know, shoulder in- injuries, and by the grace of God, um, I am a hundred percent healthy. Uh, other than just a little, still a little chunky. And, oh, oh, oh <laughs> brother, I you know I, I can hit the ground running um, with, with, with no aches, no no tweaks, none of that anywhere. Um, but now I found out why why God uh, preserved me and allowed me to stay so healthy is so that I could be healthy enough to to work a farm field. Oh, okay, That's right. but but for me, 
Yeah, I, I just knew I wanted to do my job and, and do it well. So now let, let me share with you uh, one of my other teammates. And I wrote about this uh, in the book. Everybody, they asked, you know, you played on the Ravens. You know, did you play with Ray Lewis? And I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he was my teammate. And before every single game, Ray had a little portable, you know, DVD player. And he was playing the movie Gladiator right there in his locker. And I mean, he watched it over and over and over again. I'm talking about for years watching the movie Gladiator. And for him, he was putting on his armor, all right? Mm. He was going out there, not just on a football field, but he was going out there for battle. And guess what? Even if it meant him laying down his life, okay? Like, he was ready to do so. And, and yeah, like, when, when you saw him tackle, you know, people, and, and just, I'm talking about just diving through the air like a superhero, laying it, like, literally laying his body on, on the line, play after play. Um, now, you know, by the grace of God, yeah, he was able to have a 17-year a career. Most guys aren't fortunate enough to do that, all right? You know, getting, you know, getting hit that hard, that much punishment, um, yeah, you, you might be able to do that for may, maybe, you know, four or five years, but the testament that he was able to do that for, for that long of a career. Yeah, no, I appreciate you sharing all that because I, I think that's a, a great perspective and a little insight for, for fans to, to consider. And so here you are, you get drafted into the NFL, out of UNC, you're playing for the Ravens, you know, one of the great franchises in the league, and, and John Harbaugh, one of the, the great coaches in the league. And so early on in your career, what was your mindset as far as you know, how long you wanted to play, and even you know, what was kind of your plan at that time early in your career in regards to what you would end up doing after you retired from the game? So now, of course, uh, I, I knew that I had plans, you know, post-career, you know, football, and that was always carrying around a briefcase, okay? You're using my, my voice. Um, I'm a great motivator, uh, a great inspirational speaker, and so interpersonal communications, that was my major at Carolina. And, oh, wow. and, I, and I was going to encourage, motivate, and inspire, you know, the, the youth in, in, in some type of way, a, a unique way, even if it was just, you know, just going around and visiting you know, some of those schools. Um, and, and I did that, you know, very much so, you know, throughout my football career, going back to my hometown and, and literally, dude, just hitting up the circuit, like every elementary school, every every middle school. Um, and um, it, it was pretty awesome. And I knew that God was giving me a, a, a voice. All right. I knew that the NFL was giving me a, a podium, you know, so, so to say a, a voice, a platform to be able to to share something and have people listen. All right. And I, I've had so many parents, so many mothers, you know, they say, hey, well, you know, will you talk to my child? You know, will you talk to my teenage son, um, you know, about about the importance of, of schoolwork and, and respect and responsibility? And, 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 you know, hopefully they'll listen to you because, yeah, you're, you're a professional athlete. And sure enough, I'll talk to some of these kids in, in front of their parents. And while I'm talking to the kids, their parents will be like, uh-huh. You know, I, I tell you that all the time. I've told you that. A th and I'm like, well, if, if their own parents have told them that countless times, then why am I sitting here repeating the same thing? And, and and then the parents then turn around and say, you know what? They'll listen to you 
but they won't listen to me. And I'm like, well, there's something wrong with that picture. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, wisdom is wisdom. You know, sound judgment is, is, you know, sound judgment, whether it's coming from a professional athlete or whether it's coming from a, a janitor. All right. But whether it's coming from, you know, a farmer, so someone with uh, a, a lowly job that may not, you know, get that much respect, but, but yet they still have something to say that's important. Okay. No, I absolutely. That's a, that's a wonderful message. And we, we can learn from, from all sorts of people. So I, I love, I love that. And, and so, okay. So that was kind of your mentality that, that and, and God had put that in you uh, to, to consider, okay, you're, you're willing to speak and you, you've got wisdom to share, but at what point then, so here you are in the NFL, you're one of the highest paid centers in the game. You, you signed with the Rams, uh, but then that contract was, was up. So take us into now the the, the key kind of climax of the of the story uh, from from NFL player, you know, quote unquote, living the dream yeah. to, to what happened next. So so first now, I, I was still very much so a, a selfish person, you know, throughout most of my ball career, you know, still I, I was enjoying all of that fortune and fame, but but they had to come the the change of heart. All right. And, and the change of heart came when I was 27 years old. And that was the age that my older brother, Lunsford Bernard Brown II, uh, was when he was slain in service, serving our country over in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so, yeah, he, he paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, he he, uh, he, he gave his life, um, you know, serving in uh, the United States military, uh, Army Intelligence. And, and so, the best big brother in the world, seven years older than me. And so I, I lost Lunsford when I was in the middle of my college career at Carolina. I, I was a junior um, in the middle of the season. Oh, yeah, September the 20th. We had just come off of a huge loss playing Wisconsin. And all of that passion, um, and even though it came from a, you know, from, from a dark place, all right, uh, all, all of that passion um, for, for his memory, and for his legacy, that's something that I did put on, all right, because I, I knew that he cared about my success and my future and, and that he wanted me to be the best, you know, best little brother that, that I could be, right? And the most awesome thing is that he always told me, uh, he said, Jason, I want you to be a better man than me, okay? Even, even into his early adulthood, all of the mistakes that he made, you know, he tell me, I don't want you making those same mistakes. I want you to focus on your academics. I want you to do your best, you know, and, and just kept pouring into me like, like he was my second father, right? Mm. And now that I'm at the top of my mountain, now that I'm at the top of, yeah, living the American dream, fortune and fame, living in a big, stupid 12,000 square foot mansion in, in St. Louis playing for the Rams, um, everybody, yeah, they're like, yeah, Jason, you're doing it big, man. Like, man, like th this is it. Right. But on my birthday, my 27th birthday, the same age when I turned, you know, Lunchman's age, I walked in the bathroom and looked in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw because I began to measure up everything that I had accomplished over 27 years in contrast and comparison with everything Lunsford had accomplished over 27 years. And there was no comparison, all right? Like, like he wore a size 14 shoe and I wear a size 16 shoe, but guess what? I still couldn't feel his shoes and I couldn't even walk a mile in his shoes, 
because there was such a drastic difference. You know, living a life of of, of selfishness and and yeah, just fortune and fame versus sacrifice and and, mm. and giving back in, in such a, a unique way. And, and that was what what started just that that prick of my heart right there. That that is what which started me to to initially start turning around and, and stop you know stop thinking you know uh, about myself and more so about you know uh, other people around me and and definitely more so man j- just giving back and, and so with my faith all before that even growing up in the Bible Belt you know here in North Carolina um, and yeah they call it the Bible Belt because if you don't go to church on Sunday mornings then you're going to get the belt all right. You, <laughs> you don't have a choice, okay? You go to church, but yet, man, I, I heard all those sermons. You know, I, I heard the preachers. I, I heard people share their testimony, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. All right, I, I'm mm. in my life. I, I have my own passions. I have my own dreams. That's when I said. That's what I said to myself when, when I was a youth, right? Like, I don't want to be tied down to. Man, yeah, thinking about you know everybody else and, and lo- loving at everybody else. I'm like, yeah, of course that selfishness. What about me? Like, what, what, what's in it for me, right? And all of those sermons, as far as loving thy neighbor and exactly what that looked like, yeah, they most of that fell on, de- on, on deaf ears. But yet, now that my heart was turning and, and my heart was changing, um, those seeds. That, that were planted so many years ago, they began to germinate. They began to sprout, all right, within my heart. Amen. And, and, and so he, here's what I told God, and this is very dangerous. This is real dangerous. And, and most people don't put themselves out there like, like this because you have no idea what the response is going to be. But here was my question. I said, all right, now, Jesus, with all of the gifts, all of the talents, all of the abilities, all the resources, with everything that you bless me with, what do you want me to do with my life? All right. What would you have me to do more so than anything else to to honor you, to to be a blessing to my to our local communities, to yeah, to, to truly love thy neighbor. And you have no idea what he's going to say. All right. And I put myself out there and that's with or without football. And that's me genuinely saying, whatever you want me to do with my life, I will do it. All right. I, I will surrender. I, I will be obedient. Um, dude, I, I, I'll set aside my, my selfish uh, you know, motives and it's your will be done and not my own. And, and so whew, when he came back and, and told me that I want you to feed my sheep. All right. I want you to take care of my people and not just feeding people the, the word of God, like being a minister, but feeding people food, like literally feeding folks. And so now, of course, you know that Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. But the thing is, it, it, it's kind of hard to catch fish when you don't have any bait. Like, you know, it, you can't catch any fish on an empty hook, right? <laughs> it, well, here's the thing. And sharing the gospel in our ministry right now and now that we're on a farm growing like tons and tons of fresh fruit and vegetables, giving it back, you know, to, to our local communities in need, he's given us the best bait in the world. I mean, everybody loves to eat good food. Come on now. Um, you know, oh, yeah. 
Look, if, if you find somebody that says, yeah, I, I don't like the, you know, good food. I don't like the tasty fresh food. Like, okay, all right. So there must be something wrong with you. Oh, okay. But he called us to a ministry and it wasn't just me. It was my wife. It was my whole family that. So at this point in your career where you, you were married? Oh, yeah. So I got okay. early age and okay, got, got to tell you this. So I, I was at Carolina. 20 years old, all right, uh, when I got married to a dookie, all right, to, to a duke. That, that's something, you know, that, that I guess you can relate to. So, so yeah, we definitely have a house divided. Uh, but but now that that call over my life, I was afraid to share it with my wife, Tay, because, you know, how am I going to share this with her now? She did her undergrad at Duke post-grad uh, at Carolina. Okay, so she did finish up being a Tar Heel. Um, and, and so she went to dental school. And so, dude, my wife is smart. She's highly e- educated. Yeah, she, she's one of those, yeah, yeah, one of those intelligent, beautiful, you know, young black women. That's right. But, but guess what? But now, all right, now I promised her the world. I promised her comfort. You know, we're, we're in a, a huge mansion. And now the calling that God has placed on my wife, I have the responsibility of sharing with her. Hey, dear, uh, you see all all these these nice things that we have. You know this this nice mansion that we have. Guess what? We're going to walk away from this, and we're going to give this up, and we're going to move to the country, and and we're going to be farmers. Like, like I know what her response was going to be. Okay. And and so I look, so now I, I know that when we said our vows, yeah, through, you know, through good times and bad, through richer for poor, poor, you know, through, through sickness and health, but yeah, but going from, you know, that lifestyle to going to being a farmer, that wasn't exactly something that she agreed to. Right. No. So the, the greatest leap of faith for her was, uh, trusting in God and, and following me as I was following God. All right. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, um, she saw that my heart was, was truly after God's heart. Um, in, in, and just the, the change in my heart at the time, because before uh, I wasn't being the, the, the best husband, you know, that I could be, I wasn't being the best father that, that I could be. But after my repentance, she saw that I, I was genuinely, you know, trying to, you know, trying to be a better man, trying to be a better, mm. uh, a better follower of Christ and, and definitely a better husband. Wow. What, what a story, man. This is incredible. And, and so I guess I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned on your birthday, that was really the defining moment where you, you took an inventory of, of your life at the age of 27. And so what were the steps after that in, in your pursuit of, Jesus and and him kind of opening your eyes and, and what what was that 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 heart transformation process like and 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 how long maybe even did it take for for your wife to say oh th- this is this is for real this isn't just a, a an emotional type thing because it was his birthday all right so we're we're going to get into this now all right so even though I'm right. a grown man even though I was a strong man okay so I'm still the strongest player to ever come through Carolina's football program, you know, bench pressing well over 500, uh, squatting close to 850, uh, power clean, split jerk, 
420 pounds, all right, over my head. Still the strongest player uh, to ever come through their program. But he, he, here's the thing. I knew how to chase after the world. I knew how to be successful in, in the world. Um, and, and I was strong in, in, my, in, in faith in myself, all right? And so any room that I walked into, I, I knew that, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the strongest guy in the room, okay? Um, and most rooms, you know, having a degree from Carolina, I think that I'm, you know, just about the smartest guy in the room. And, and so all of that did, all, all of that in my flesh, man, my pride and, and my ego, they were through the roof, okay? And, and chasing after the world and chasing after success. But here's one thing that I didn't know how to do. That was be faithful. And so success and faithfulness are two totally different things, all right? And so God cares nothing about our worldly success, okay? He truly cares about our faithfulness towards him, all right? Our submission, our obedience towards him. And so all of that chasing in the world, guess what? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. And that, that's where I was, okay? So so all of this strength, all of these, these smarts that I think that I got, okay, <laughs> all, all of the millions of dollars, the, the money and the success, it literally means nothing when it comes to faithfulness and chasing mm-hmm. and after God's heart. And so, yes, and John says God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so even though, I was a grown man. I was a strong man. And what I thought um, at the time was a smart man, when I finally had my conversion, all right, and and, and Jesus saved me, amen, um, amen, I was a babe in Christ. That's difficult for most people to understand. Like spiritually, I, I was a spiritual babe in Christ. And mm. yeah, I, I literally, yeah, I, I you know, recalled a few sermons, you know, here and there, but I wasn't reading my Bible, getting in the scripture like I should have. My prayer life wasn't where where, where it should be. Um, and, and yeah, if someone had asked you, oh yeah, when was the last time you read your Bible? And yeah, you tell a lie, like, oh, just the other day, all right? Yeah, that Bible's got an inch of dust on it, all right? You haven't Come opened it in months, uh, possibly more than a year. And, and so I said to myself, Jason, you know how to be successful towards the world, Everything that you've learned, you know, towards that, the, the passion, chasing after that, that desire, just like just like uh, Paul's conversion. All right. Dude, he was really good at persecuting Christians. All right. And, and guess what? Jesus took all of that passion, all of his focus, all the strength and turned it around in the right direction. And that's what I had to do. I had to I had to turn everything around and say, guess what? You got to get this. If you know how to go to football training camp, then guess what? You're going to learn how to go to spiritual training camp. And that's what I did. And so at the beginning of 2012, I kept it real simple. Every single day, it was scripture, prayer, and fasting. Scripture, prayer, and fasting. And so I didn't play, you know, Bible roulette, just, you know, flipping on. No, I started at the very beginning of Genesis and I'm reading the word like faithfully for hours every single day. All right. I didn't even know how to pray at the time. 
So I, I purchased a, a book on, on prayer and it said, hey, like it's fine, just start reciting some of these prayers. And I started just reading hours and hours of prayers from that book and I would record them on, on my iPod. You know, for some of these young folks that don't know what iPod you know, was, right? <laughs> Just, just 10 years ago, but I would record hours of prayers on my iPod. And then even when we left home, I would play them out loud over a loudspeaker throughout our whole home. And let me tell you what, uh, when we left to go out to, to a movie or, or to get something to eat, I would fill our entire home with like loud prayers from my voice. And guess what? When we came back to the house and you walked in through the door, you could feel a difference, all right? Mm. Um, it, it's as though you have like a maid or, or someone, a cleaning set to come and clean, clean your home. Well, guess what? Dude, literally the Holy Spirit, through that prayer, our home was spiritually being cleansed of, of all of that filth, all of those unclean spirits, all, all of the, the horrible things that, that yeah, that, that it was my fault that I had done. Mm. I, I, I invited all of those demons and unclean spirits and, and sin up in my house. You see what I'm saying? But but yeah. now, man, just God was just helping to cleanse, not just me, but my whole home, my whole family. And then the last part, fasting. So now when I say fasting, uh, I get a few chuckles from people because they're like, they're like, Jason, you don't look like you fasted a day in your life. And I say, mind your business. All right. Look, I, I look. I know how to fast, uh, but but when I break my fast, most times I, I make up for it. All right, um, so, but but it, I just kept it real simple, brother. And let me tell you how awesome God is. It, it, it's just like in, in James one. If anyone uh, lacks wisdom, guess what? Ask, and He will give it to you liberally, abundantly. All right, like He will just pour His Spirit out on you. And when I say that. It was just a couple of months where I met, where I went from you know spiritually being a babe and, and drinking on milk to man, I, I was eating steak like really really fast, and and he can do it. Um, we just have to be faithful and seeking him. And yes, um, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so, mm. yeah. You hunger and thirst for him, he'll fill you up, brother. Amen. Amen. What what an awesome story and testimony and, and appreciate you sharing that. And so that was the the process that, that God took you through. And so so ultimately he he reveals to you that you know, kind of when you had this surrendered heart and spirit to him, say, All right, what do you want me to do? Where do I go? And so he told you to 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 start a farm. And and so I, I want to hear gosh, we we, we we could talk all day. But but let let's let's share with the listeners kind of you know, okay what what did that practically mean to to walk away from the NFL to get a farm and then to start this this ministry that's still going on to impact the community so, so through the, the most crops. important part of the story is even as a farmer it's it's the conversion all right and and then it's the preparing of the soil which is your heart all right. God has all of the awesome seeds to, to deposit in, in, into you, right? And then, yes, one may plant, one may water, but it is God that, that applies the increase. And, and so it, it, it was very important for me to share, you know, that early part of, of, of my, my testimony and that conversion because 
you know, even being a farmer right now, so many people focus on, you know, just, just you know, the plants and after it's being planted. But guess what? All winter long, farmers spend so much time on preparing the soil, tilling the soil, making sure that it has all of the nutrients, everything there, because it's, it's fertile. Literally, no matter what you plant there, man, it's going to grow. It's going to just explode with fruits. And, and so, so many people, they see our ministry right now and where God has brought us to a farm. And my wife and I, our first covenant was our marriage. And now our, our second covenant with God was we said, all right, God, whatever land you bless us with, we're going to name it First Fruits Farm. We're going to give your people our neighbors, uh, that you have called us to love, the first fruits of whatever's grown and produced from the land. And let me tell you what, God is just looking for a, a humble vessel, all right? He is looking for someone just to pour into so that his will will be done. And most times we set aside God's will for our own. And we say the Lord's Prayer all of the time, and we just gloss over the part where it says, yes, you know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, guess what? That's our responsibility to make sure that Abba Father's will is done here on earth in our lives, in, in our local communities. And and so I, I, I learned a long time ago, and I really took note of this um, with King Solomon, where God asked him, hey, uh, what do you want? Do you want power? You know, do, do you want, uh, you know, over your enemy? Do you want, you know, do you want riches? You know, what do you want me to bless you with? And Solomon said, Lord, bless me with the wisdom, okay, so that I can lead your people righteously, so I can be a good king. And God was like, whoa, like, really? Like, you mean, you're not going to ask for, for fortune and fame? You're not going to ask for, for power? Yeah, but you mean you're going to, whatever I give you, to honor me, Abba Father, so that his will is going to be done? And, and so it's not about us at all, all right? It's his story. It's all about God. He is the author. He is the creator. And and when we come to him with a whole heart and say, all right, God, um, whatever you bless me with, I'm going to do my best to bless other people. I'm going to do my best to uh, to, to share love with our neighbors in, in what you've called us to do. I'm going to do my best um, to be obedient. Man, you better watch out, okay? But because God, that, that is who he is looking for. And God has blessed us in such a way in our food ministry where we're still not immune from, from everything that goes on in the world. So a lot of people think that, look, just because you're a Christian and 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 you're saved, you know, by, by grace and, and you have a relationship with God, um, that, that we're immune from the storms. We're immune from trials and tribulations. No, it, it, that is very, very far uh, from the truth, all right? Um, but you have a relationship, Okay. You have a relationship with Abba Father and a direct connection, whereas in I can go to him in need and in return, he blesses me, all right, so that I can continue to do his will. And so now here's one of the things is that many people think that all of the success in First Fruits Farm has been by 
Yeah, uh, a wealthy former uh, you know NFL football player. And here's what God did. So now, my first prayer to God, and that I asked Him, I'll do whatever He wants me to do. Now that was very dangerous. Here's another prayer, and don't ask me why I said this prayer, but this was just as equally dangerous. God, I still don't have a testimony. I want you to write that testimony, God. I want to be taken to a place where where I need you. I want to be taken to a place where where I cry out to you, God. Okay? And let me tell you what. All right? God is good. God is good, okay? And the good Lord giveth, and the good Lord, he also taketh away. In 2013, just shortly after we made it here to the farm, um, some real crazy things started happening with our savings, our investments, all of our finances, and we were literally stripped of most of our wealth. And I'm looking around like, dude, like, what's going on? Like, th- this is crazy. And I'm going to God, and I'm like, God, like, th- those were the monies that, that we need for the farm to, to purchase equipment, you know, to, to hire, you know, help to do all these things. And God said, no, you, you place your faith in, in those monies and in those riches, and you should have placed your faith in me, all right? You don't need all of those things to accomplish my will. You know what God said, Jason? All you need is me. And I'm like, whoa, all right? So I paid to be taken to a place where I needed him and where I cried out to him. You know where I found myself? On my knees, brother, praying up to heaven. I'm like, God, I need you, okay? Like, I cannot do this without you. Like, God, like, you see me struggling, like, I need provisions, okay? I, I, I send the help. I need the blessings. Like, please do it right now. And, and, and guess what? God is batting a thousand. Literally, just like the movie War Room, every prayer that we have prayed for to Abba Father, God has answered every single prayer. A hundred percent. Do you hear me? And, and so now, that relationship that I have right now, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I wouldn't trade, I, dude, like, I don't care what the world has to offer right now, but because you mean I can go to our father in heaven in prayer and have the faith and the confidence that he not only hears my prayers, but dude, he's going to answer every single one of my prayers a hundred percent. Come on, man. Like that is, that is just, that's powerful. Okay. And, And the thing is, is that, um, I know that it's not just for for me, all right, because we're here in our awesome ministry. Um, He has allowed us to grow, harvest, and donate more than a million pounds of food. Unbelievable. And just like the story of Gideon, it wasn't done in my own might, all right? Just the story of Gideon, God has given us the victory, but Abba Father is receiving all of the glory. And that's the miracle of First Fruits Farm. Amen. Oh, I love it. Oh, praise God. Gosh, that's in, it's inspiring and encouraging to me. And, and I know it is to, to our listeners as well. And I think I want to, I want to unpack. I know we, we've gone long, but, but I think this is such a, an important message when, when you're talking about God answering prayers and he's answering them a hundred percent, explain to people what that, that means. You, you talked, you touched on it a little bit, just as far as your desires were his desires and remaining in his will and you were seeking, you know, his direction. And so 
he's he's answering those prayers because they're according to his his will. So so maybe just kind of yeah, speak on that just a, a little bit more. So the the relationship that I have with with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, all right, um, he, he's my Lord and Savior. Guess what? Jesus Himself, that He is also my brother. All right, like I have the spirit of adoption. Come on now, uh, that, that that's Romans chapter eight, and, and so if Jesus can call Abba Father in, in heaven, if He can call him Daddy, guess what? Other people call you know uh, they they call Him Lord, they call Him the King of Kings. Guess what? I call Him my Daddy. All right, my my our Father in heaven. Now. Here's the importance of relationship. And what most people have to understand is, is there is a, a level of relationships um, in, in our in spiritual relationships. So now, Jesus' disciples, they first started out as servants, okay? But then, amen, in their obedience, after they learned how to be good servants and followers of Christ, then, not only then, did Jesus say, hey, I no longer call you my servants, but I call you my friends because there is nothing that I've kept from you, okay? And so now I, I know we hear the song, oh, I'm a friend of God. Guess what? Hey, there's a lot of people you know, singing that song, but they're not being obedient. That They haven't first learned how to be a good and a humble servant, mm-hmm. all right? You, you have to learn how to be a servant first before you can move to up to the status of being a friend, okay? Then what's even greater than being a friend, amen, is the spirit of adoption and actually Jesus saying, these are my brothers. These are my sisters, okay? And so now there's millions of children out here in the world. And for some of you that don't know, I have eight beautiful children myself, okay, that, that God that God has allowed me to be, you know, their, their father, their, their shepherd, man, just, just to provide for them in, in an awesome and a mighty way. And I love my babies, all right? And, but yet, there's so many other children out here, and, and we're called to love all of our neighbors. But here's the thing. There can be a thousand children out here, a thousand children, and all of them are saying, oh, you know, Jason Brown, Oh, you know, Farmer Brown and, and oh, can, you know, can I have your autograph and all of that? And they're calling by all of these different names. And I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, I, I'm a little bit overwhelmed and, and I'm trying to, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to bless these children. I'm, I'm trying to give them. But guess what? One of my children is also in that crowd as well. And they're not going to call me Jason Brown. They're going to call me, oh, Farmer Brown. Do you know what my child is going to call me? They're going to say, Daddy, Dad. And guess what? I'll mush, I'll get all those other kids out of the way because guess what? I'm going to my child, all right? I'm going to bless my child, all right? And in those levels of relationships, guess what? I'm going to make sure that, they, that their, their uh, blessings, not only do I hear their call, but I'm going to answer their call. If there's anybody that I'm going to look after, and that's what. And, and so the thing is, in, in, in regular sense in the world, of course, you wouldn't expect someone else out there to, to work 
and, and provide for your children the way that you do. You wouldn't expect someone else from another family to come and put food on your table and feed your children. No, like that, that's your responsibility as, as, a, as a parent, as a father, right? And so, so the thing is, is that now that I'm at this level of relationship where, praise God, I, I've learned how to be a humble servant. I've learned how to be faithful. And now, okay, uh, I, I've, I've gotten to that friend relationship, all right, with, with Jesus. But now I have the spirit of adoption and I can go boldly to the throne of grace where, my, where I may obtain mercy. And if Abba Father has a blessing for Jesus, he's got a blessing for me too, right? And so that, that is, that, that is the, the key to making sure that your prayers are not only heard, but, but that they are answered. Amen. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. It's uh it's powerful and 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 just uh yeah, I think all of us can take an inventory of uh yeah, where where we're at and, and how how serious is our is our prayer life because we can we can be so casual with it, but but to really uh pursue him the way that that you're talking about in in deep faithfulness and trust and and acknowledging that that he wants to 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 He'd be our father, and he is our father, and 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 all that we have access to, uh, man, it's 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 incredible. So, uh, I know I'm I'm inspired today, Jason, and and I encourage everybody to check out your book to hear more of this inspiration, to hear more about the the story and some of the details that uh maybe we we just didn't we weren't able to get to today. So check out the book. It's called Centered: Trading Your Plans for a Life That Matters. I was reading some of the reviews and people are are just blown away by this book and the impact that it's having on people. And so uh, it's out. You can get it on Amazon. And, and so again, it's centered, trading your plans for a life that matters. And you can also go to wisdomforlife.org and, and find out more information uh, about Jason and the farm and, and all the great work uh, that, that Jason and his family are, are doing as they uh, share Christ's love through hunger relief in North Carolina. And so, uh, Jason, man, it's been a privilege talking with you. I'm so encouraged and uh, appreciate your heart, your passion, how you're serving the Lord. And it's about faithfulness, not success. And we always talk about, you know, the NFL players that we love to watch on Sundays. And and sure, that success is fun. but, But to see a life of faithfulness and what God can do uh, in his power for his glory, man, that's, 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 that's what I want to chase after as well. So, so keep it up, Jason. Thanks so much, man. Thank you guys. God bless. Thanks so much. Even in a Carolina Jersey, I'm inspired, but there's Jason Brown joining us here on unpacking it. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. And we're back in studio to unpack that incredible conversation. And I, I got to tell you, I, I personally was was very, very encouraged yet challenged to, to take a look at, at my own prayer life and in my own, you know, kind of where am I at right now in my in my faith journey. Um, I can relate in, in some ways kind of years ago when I when I stepped out in faith and I, I left the radio show that I was doing. And it was a big deal to to leave and. 
um, and definitely can can relate to some of that. But but I also you know am willing to admit that you know maybe I haven't been taking those steps of faith, or I haven't been maybe surrendering as much, and kind of like what, what Jason was talking about, where he, where he just says, hey, all right, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know, I think so easy in our day-to-day life, we get caught up in, well, this is what I want to do, or this is the expectation of what I need to be doing, w- without pausing and saying, wait a second, what, what does God want me to do? And, and sometimes it'll be to go start a farm and leave the NFL. And, and sometimes it's, it's smaller things than that, but, but it all goes back, and Jason talked about this, the faithfulness, the obedience. And, and so our, our daily walk with Jesus is you know, an opportunity for us each day to surrender. And, and it, in some ways, it, it kind of starts fresh each day, too, to, to surrender and say, all right, Lord, what do you have for me today? What, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? And in what ways do I need to step out in faith and be obedient to what you're, you're asking me to do. And maybe it's a conversation. Maybe it's a, an action that we need to take. Um, maybe it's a, 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 you know, a shift in our mind that, that he's pointing us to, to make, um, whatever that may be. So, um, you know, I love that there's the title of the book, trading your plans for a life that matters. And so, you know, each day it's trading our own plans that we've got, you know, in our own minds and what we want to do to, to lay just to lay our lives at the feet of Jesus and say, hey, what are your plans for me? What do you want me to do? And, and to really listen, to really be open to, to what he asks us to do. And, you know, and again, sometimes it might not be the biggest things, and we just need to take you know, steps of obedience, whatever he does reveal to us. And we've got scripture to know that, hey, there are certain things that we, 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 we know he's asking us to do that, that we don't have to be confused by. We just look in the Bible and, and, and take steps of, uh, of obedience. So, uh, I love that part of the conversation. Very in- intriguing. And then this this whole conversation about prayer, uh, I wanted to look up a key verse to uh, to just kind of hit home and provide some even more clarity in-, in what Jason was saying. But it's in 1 John 5, 14 to 15. And this is the amplified version just to give us uh, just a, a better understanding. Uh, but it says, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him, before God, that if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us and he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the request which we have asked from him. And so, you know, this can be a little difficult for us to understand because, you know, we've prayed things that haven't been answered, and then we, we hear Jason talk about his, his prayers being answered. And, and, and it really goes back to where is our heart at and, and how are we, you know, uh, approaching God? Is it, hey, these are all the things that I want, and this is what I want, you know, this is how I want you to answer all my prayers, or is it truly a heart that is surrendered, desiring his will? And, and that becomes our prayer. That we would remain, you know, aligned with him and 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 in full pursuit of, of him and his plans and his purposes. And so, as we pray that way, as we live that way, it's amazing to see the blessings, the open doors, and the way that that God clearly answers our prayers because we're we're in sync with him. And and so, you know, I've seen this in my life during certain seasons, and 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 you know. To, to be honest, there are times where I just get caught up in, in my own 
uh, my own plans and my own ideas, and and I, I'm not as surrendered. And you start wondering, wait, why isn't God answering my prayers? Well, there, there can you know sometimes be different reasons, but but part of that is, am I am I coming before Him with great confidence because I, I know His goodness, I know who He is, I know His power, uh, and I'm I'm totally humbled and and broken and and surrendered. And I keep going back to that that word just with this desire to be faithful to him and and his his requests for for me. So so I I challenge you to wrestle with that. Go read that verse 1 John 5 14 through 15 um and really think about, you know, what it looks like for God to to really answer prayer and and for us to uh to live in such a a faith-filled, powerful way. I think too often we live this this casual prayer life. And right now I'm teaching Maddie to pray and she's 18 months and so things are very simple and um but I think sometimes we we like stay there. <laughs> like we we pray like a baby. Um and 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 as we we really understand the power behind communicating and and like this verse says the confidence which we have as believers to go before him that that we can ask anything according to his will. That's amazing. So so uh that's the encouragement. That's the challenge for us today to, to unpack, to wrestle with. Um, I'm, I'm right there with you. So we'd love to know your thoughts. You can shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. And thanks so much for listening today. We will be with you on Monday, each Monday, 1030 a.m. live, and then here on the podcast uh, if you miss the show live. So appreciate you listening. And we've got some great interviews coming up, Chris Broussard, and Clark Kellogg, so I encourage you to check those out. If you missed Matt Doherty, be sure to listen to that one as well. But I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.